0: I'm Steve Hogg, pastor at First Baptist Church. Thank you so much for joining us for this telecast. We're talking about destiny and the choices we make. I want you to listen because it's an important subject that can have a big impact on your life. I invite you to be opening your Bible to the book of Genesis, chapter 2. We'll turn to that in just a moment. Well, Kathy Griffin, the comedian, has been in the news a lot this week, as probably most of you know, and uh, suffering some Severe backlash because of the photograph she had taken holding, I don't know it was a mask or whatever that looked like President Trump's head had been severed and covered in blood. And she thought it was funny, but it wasn't. And the backlash has been uh, swift and harsh. Very few people have defended her and it's cost her some sponsorships. She's lost some money because of it, some future gigs, if you will. Uh, CNN dropped her as one of the the co-hosts of their annual New Year's Eve broadcast that she'd been doing for the last 10 years with Anderson Cooper. And she did issue an apology saying she was sorry she had done it. And then after that, she and her attorney held a press conference. And personally, I think she'd been better off if she'd never held that press conference. Because even though she apologized, she was very very defensive and you all know this scripture teaches this whenever you apologize and you're defensive you're not really apologizing it just doesn't work and during the press conference she continued to attack the president accused him and his family of trying to ruin her life blamed him for the severe reaction to what she had done and during that press conference even called president trump foolish and nuts She went on to say that the backlash against her would not be happening, would not be so severe. She was a man. And after CNN fired her, she accused uh, Anderson Cooper, her co-host, at that New Year celebration of betraying her because he didn't stand up for her. I didn't know what he had to stand up for. Now obviously, Kathy Griffin still doesn't get it. She's still oblivious to what's really going on. It's like, it's almost as as though she's saying, I was wrong, but it's not as big a deal as y'all are making it out to be. I'm holding the head of the president. looks like, you know, one of those that ISIS cut off years ago. Not a big deal. It's, it's like she's saying, I'm sorry, but I don't, so I don't understand why everybody's still mad at me. As though, She thinks all of this ruckus is really everyone else's fault. She's just a comedian who maybe crossed the line a little too much, but not too bad. And here's the truth, okay? Here's the truth. Kathy Griffin created her own mess. That's the simple truth. She created her own mess. Doesn't have anyone to blame but herself and deserves much of the backlash she's getting. She's playing the blame game for how bad it is, and it's not working. It's making her look worse, and... She called the president foolish, but in this particular incident, the only person who's really foolish is the one she sees when she looks in the mirror every day. Now, why am I bringing all that up? Because we're talking about destiny. How your life turns out. What happens in your life? Not just today, but in the future. So let me ask a question that I want you to really think about for a moment. Was it Kathy Griffin's destiny to end up in this mess? Did God predetermine this? Did God ordain this? Or did her own choices create it? Can you answer that one question? Her choices. See, so often in life when we, even as believers, talk about destiny It's a way for us not to take responsibility for life. As though God dictates everything, He doesn't. Some people think that, but He doesn't. It's not what the Scripture teaches. We make choices. And today we're going to talk about those choices because, yes, the Bible teaches that God has a plan for history and for this world and He's moving it in the direction of His plan God has a plan for your life and my life and He's working within us to move us in that direction. He knows the future. He knows the future of history of the universe. He knows my future and your future but there's a difference in knowing and determining. The Scripture teaches that our choices play a significant part in where we end up in life. What we sometimes think of as destiny, our choices Play a part in that. And if under the leadership of the Holy Spirit we make godly choices and wise choices, we'll end up at a certain place. But if we listen to the flesh and to sin and to the world and we make choices, we'll end up in a different place. But our choices have a a lot to say about where we end up. Now last week, we looked in the book of Genesis at the story of Joseph. Now Joseph was a man who had some pretty tough circumstances. Would you agree with that? I mean he did not have a lot go his way. In the midst of all those bad, difficult circumstances he made good choices and it affected his destiny. He ended up where God wanted him to end up. And ended up blessing him, his family, and an entire nation. Well today we're going to look at people unlike Joseph. Joseph was in tough circumstances. These people were in really, 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 really good circumstances. Whereas Joseph in his tough circumstances made good decisions that got good results, these people in good circumstances made bad decisions that got bad results. See, circumstances, listen to me, circumstances don't determine who you are or what you do. Now, do they influence us? Absolutely. No denying that. But we can't as human beings honestly rationally blame all the choices we make in life on our surroundings, on our circumstances. Sooner or later, if you're going to grow up, you have to stand up and say I'm responsible for the choices I make. So, in Genesis chapter 2, we're going to we're going to look at Adam and Eve today. I mean, they had pretty good circumstances, didn't they? And they made a bad choice that had a bad outcome, bad results, not only for them but for everyone else. In Genesis chapter 2, verses 16 and 17, God tells Adam, you're in this garden and you can eat of everything in here except this one tree, the knowledge of good and evil. Because if you eat of that one, you will die. Things will go badly. Now you drop down to chapter 3. Verse 1, the serpent, an instrument Satan was using in this instance, comes to the garden, comes to the woman, to Eve. And he says at the end of verse 1, Indeed, as God said, you shall not eat from any tree of the garden. Now notice her reply in verses 2 and 3. The woman said to the serpent, From the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat. We, We can have anything in here, but. From the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat from it or touch it or you will die. Now notice the serpent's response in verse 4. The serpent said to the woman, You surely will not die. For God knows that in the day you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God. Knowing good and evil. Now notice when Satan tempted her, he did not attack her. See, Satan doesn't come to you and say you're foolish. Satan doesn't come to us as human beings and say uh, you you're, you lied. He comes to you and says, "Did God really say that? Or does God really mean that? Well, I know God said that, but I don't think He really meant it that way. Or yeah, I know God said that, but He's not going to do what He said." the one he always attacks in our minds and in our hearts is God and his Word. He doesn't attack you. He doesn't attack the person he's tempting. He attacks God and the veracity of Scripture. Because if he can make you begin thinking in a different way, he wins. He wins. And, and, and then he really hit her hard. If you do this, here's here's the real reason God doesn't want you to do this. Because if you do this, you'll be like Him. And nothing tempts a human being more than the thought that I'm better than I am. That I can be a little bit like God or I can be God or I can be the master of my own destiny. Some of our favorite saints aimed at elevating ourselves and diminishing the authority and the lordship of Christ in our lives. Satan's most effective tactic. We see it all the time, over and over and over and over. And so she, uh, in verse 6, looked at it and said, Wow, looks, looks nice, looks good, looks tasty. And she ate and... And she gave some to her husband, Adam, and he ate. And in verse 7, the eyes of both of them were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loin coverings. Don't, Don't focus just on the physical picture here, but on the spiritual picture that there was innocence because there was lack of sin until they had disobeyed God. And once you disobey God, innocence vanishes. And there's guilt. We start covering up. We start hiding. Verse 8, they heard the sound of God walking in the garden on a cool day. I love that image. It was a cool day. And the man and his wife, what, what did they do, church? They hid themselves. Do you know that sin makes you run from God it makes you embarrassed, it makes you ashamed, it makes you feel unworthy, it makes you feel guilty, and, and and it ends up pushing you away. It creates this barrier between you and you and God who loves you. Isn't that what sin does in our human relationships when we, we sin against one another? It, it builds these barriers, it creates distance and separation and pushes us away from one another. Doesn't it do the same thing on the human level? And in verse 9, God speaks and he says to the man, He said, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid myself. Now the blame game starts. Verse 11, Who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I told you not to? Verse 12, the man said, The woman, it's her fault. (laughs) It's her fault. Verse 13, the Lord said to the woman, what is this you have done? And the woman said, it's, the, it's Satan's fault, it's the serpent's fault. And we, we as human beings have been doing that ever since. It's always somebody else's fault. Isn't that essentially what Kathy Griffin was saying? Yeah, I know I crossed the line and I'm sorry, I wish I hadn't done it. I wouldn't hurt anybody intentionally. But really all of this mess is because they're so mean and trying to destroy me. Let's play the blame game. It's always somebody else's fault. And it's amazing how many times we do that when it's, when, when, when it's our own choices that got us where we are. People may have tempted us, pressured us. Circumstances may not have been pleasant or in this case they couldn't have been any better. But in the end we make choices. But as humans, we like to we like to 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 blame people. Now there's consequences to our choices. Verse sixteen to the woman he said, You'll have children in pain, etc. Consequence. Ladies, you could have had babies with no pain if it hadn't been for this. Verse 17 to Adam, because you've done this, the middle of the verse, cursed is the ground. In toil you will eat of it all the days of your life. In other words, all of this good food that's been just, you know, growing here in the garden from now on, you're gonna have to work really hard to have good stuff. And, And and the ground's going to work against you because in verse 18, thorns and thistles will grow. Verse 19, by the sweat of your face you'll eat bread and you're going to do this your whole life until you return to the ground from which I created you. In other words, life is going to be hard because of your choice. Not going to be as easy as it was before because of your choice. And I've already indicated it affected their relationship with God because now they're hiding from them. And in verses 23 and 24, they're removed from the garden. So there's consequences. Now, let me give you, in summary fashion, some biblical truths about life and about destiny and about choices that are found in the story of Adam and Eve. Okay, these are not inclusive of everything I could say, but let me just give you, in shotgun fashion, some biblical truths. Jot these down, okay? Not going to be on the screen. I'm just going to call them out. You can write these down. Here's some biblical truths about life. From this story. Number one, the fall was not by the fall of Adam and Eve's sin, fall from their perfect state, from sinlessness. The fall was not predetermined by God, He did not ordain it. Number two, freedom freedom of choice existed from the very beginning god created them with the freedom to obey or not obey choose this or choose that freedom existed in the beginning it's not new it's how god created us number 3 we are accountable to god for the choices we make they had to answer to god so do we all of us will stand before the lord one day and give an account for the life we've lived Number four, we're responsible for our choices. We can't blame others. I mean, Adam, it's the woman's fault. The woman, it's it's the serpent's fault. It's Satan's fault. No, we're, we're responsible for our own choices. We can't blame people. Now, do other people's choices impact us? Absolutely. No denying that. But when we make choices, we have to own those choices. Here's the next, next point. Our choices have consequences. Choices have consequences. Here's another lesson. Choices shape our destiny. It shaped Adam and Eve's destiny. It shaped humanity's destiny. Choices shape our future, not just the present. Choices impact other people. The choices you and I make do not affect just me or you. They affect those in our world and sometimes even beyond our sphere of influence. Choices impact our relationship with God. Choices impact our spiritual lives. All of that, all of those truths, all of those lessons are in this this story. Now, I, I want you to, I want us to look at uh, three Bible verses in particular that bear this out in other ways in life, okay, just from other places in the Old Testament, that, that bear this, these principles out. And I want us to do this responsive reading. So these verses are going to appear one at a time on the screen. I'm going to read a part, and then when it says congregation, you read that, then I'll talk about it a minute, okay? So let's look at these verses. Read them with me responsively, okay? And all, uh, notice this it says, In all labor there is profit. In other words, talking about getting a job is not the same as getting a job. <laughs> talking about going to work is not the same as going to work, okay? One one earns a paycheck and the other doesn't. Choices, freedom to make choices in a very practical aspect of life, choices have what? Consequences. And who's responsible? I mean, how many of you have known people, who they were good talkers, They just never got around to doing anything. Right? All right, let's look at the next passage. The one who commits adultery with a woman is lacking sense. In other words, if you do that, you're going to bring a mess into your life. Choices, freedom, consequences. Same principle, correct? and a very practical aspect in our human relationships. All right, last passage. For rulers, government officials, are not a cause of fear for good behavior but for evil. As a general rule, if you don't want to get in trouble, don't do anything evil. Choices, freedom of choice, consequence. You see these principles? I mean, you, you could look at every aspect, every area of life in these biblical truths, these biblical principles still apply. And yet over and over and over in these areas and other areas so many times we want to play the blame game. If they, I would. If if he or I, then I to, you, you you get the picture. and And God is teaching us that choices, the choices I make, the choices you make, are a huge component in the life I live. You know, Great Britain, England has been hit three times since March with terrorist attacks. Last night, during the day here there what is it, six hours, five hours ahead of us, I forget, an attack on London Bridge. I've been on London Bridge several times. I know the exact area there where, where that happened yesterday. The three men in a white van run into the crowd and then jump out of the van and with large knives, start, Stabbing people on the bridge and in a restaurant at the there and I think the latest uh, this morning is 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 seven people dead and forty eight injured in the hospital, some of them very seriously injured there was there was one bystander a man who who saw these three terrorists stabbing a woman and he tried to defend her by throwing chairs and glasses and bottles anything he could get his hand on. He started throwing them at him and then they started running at him as he continued throwing things to try to protect himself. And here's what he said. This is a quote from this man, this bystander. He said, they kept coming to try to stab me. They were stabbing everyone. Evil, evil people. Now, let me ask you something. Did God ordain that? Evil men made the decision to do that. And yet, amazingly in life, we still want to blame. We'll we'll have politicians and pundits blaming this person or that country for it rather than saying it's just evil. If this president or this country or this military leader had done something differently, they wouldn't have done that. No, evil is evil and choices are choices. Circumstances may influence but they don't determine and they are not an excuse ever. Not only on the international level, but brothers and sisters in our own individual personal lives as well. It's the same principle. Let me show you an interesting verse. Proverbs chapter 19 verse 3. The foolishness of man ruins his way and his heart rages against the Lord. That's the New American Standard that I preach from. The NIV, a person's own folly leads to their ruin. Folly, foolishness, the unwise, those things that are the opposite of wisdom, that lack the wisdom of God, those things that aren't smart, those things the Scripture says that God says are wrong and evil and sinful. Brings ruin and pain and heartache into our world and into our lives. And yet it is amazing. Scripture tells us that that quite often when we as human beings make our own messes, we blame. And, and in this particular verse, not blaming someone else, we blame God. I don't understand why God let this happen. Well, I do. You made the decision that brought it on yourself. Sometimes... We see people, they do things, and then they say, God, why'd you let this happen? You've known people like that, haven't you? Maybe at times you've been that person. You want to talk about destiny? God will allow you, give you the freedom to write your own paycheck. Paycheck. God will allow you, if you want to end up over here, to end up over there. Now, he'll work in your life to try to prevent it, to get you to make different decisions. But if you say, if you're determined as a sinful human being, as a stubborn, arrogant, foolish human being, that's where I'm going, God will not turn you into a robot and stop you from going there. So don't blame him when you end up there. What's, what's, what's the smart choice? What's the wise choice? How, how are we supposed to live? How are we supposed to, 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 to get at all of this? I mean, and think about it. All of us, myself included, every every person in this room, ha- have there been times when you made bad choices? I have. Have you? Ha- have there been times when you've brought things into your life you wish you had not brought into your life? I know there have been times I've done that. Have you? Huh? If you you haven't, I want to talk to you because you're a lot smarter than I am. (laughs) So when life happens and, you know, we bring stuff into our own lives or other people bring stuff into our own lives or just this sinful fallen world nature, the universe, there's a hurricane, whatever, brings stuff into our lives. Good circumstances, bad circumstances, kind of in between, okay, you know, know, whatever circumstances. What do we do? How do we deal with it? Because that's the real question, isn't it? Huh? Because I can't go back and undo those past choices, can you? I don't know a single choice I made in the past I can go back and really undo. Past is the past. It is what it is. So I don't want to be fatalistic. I don't believe the Scripture teachers were supposed to be fatalist. What do we do? Can I show you one more verse just to give you some guidance? Some of you, a lot of you know this verse. Romans 8, 28. We know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who what? Do what now? Do what now? Now it doesn't say He causes everything Doesn't say that. Doesn't say everything that happens is good. Does not say that. What it does say is that God takes all this stuff that happens, and if we love Him, if we love Him, if we love Him, if we love Him, He will bring some good in the midst of it. And Jesus said, in this this life, the rain, you you hear me quote this all the time. The rain falls where? On the just and the unjust, on everybody. Everybody in this world has blessings, and everybody in this world has problems. Everybody in this world has good things happen to them, and everybody in this world has bad things happen to them. Some get dumped on more than others one way or the other, but hey, it falls on every one of us, Right? All the way back to, to Genesis, the ground's a hard place. Life's a painful place. Sin makes it a mess, and what we do affects not just us but others, but if you love him, if you love him, if you allow his love to have you and and, and you to love him. God can take the mess. What's that old saying about you can't put lipstick on a pig? (laughs) See, I can tell hog jokes with my last name. (laughs) You can't. (laughs) But guess what? God can put lipstick on a pig. And aren't you glad? Aren't you thankful that the grace of God, the goodness of God, and the kindness of God can take you in a mess and say, in the midst of this mess, I'm going to make something pretty. I'm going to... It's not that God is saying, I'm going to undo all of that stuff. I can fix all that stuff. But God is saying, in the midst of this, I, I can do some new stuff, some really good stuff. If you... Do you love God? Do you love Jesus? I'm not asking, do you like church? I hope you do, but you know, that, that, that won't cut it. I'm not asking if you like religious tradition because that's okay, but that won't cut it. I'm asking, do you love Jesus? Church, do you love Jesus? Christian, do you love Jesus Christ? Or are you just religious? There's a difference. Do you love Jesus? You know, I love hearing my wife tell me she loves me. And I, you know what? I like for her to say it every day. I really enjoy telling her I love her every day. I made the decision when we had kids... My kids were going to hear me say "I love you" over and over and over because I didn't hear my dad say "I love you" until I was 24, 25 years old. When was the last time you told Jesus you loved Him? You say, "Well, I'll show it." Well, it well, good. You should. You should. But what would, what would it be like in your family if if you you were good but you never ever said to each other, I love you. Which do you think is better, showing it and saying it or just showing it? Which one do you think is better with you and Jesus? Just showing it or showing it and saying it, giving Him praise and giving Him honor and giving Him glory and saying, I love you, and loving Him with all your heart? Jesus said, love the Lord your God. How? We talked about it some months ago with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength, with your total being. How are you and I going to get through life in this messed up world with all the messed up stuff that happens? Some of it our own creation. Some of it other people create for us. Some of it is just life. We get through it by loving Him and allowing Him to do His good work among us.